say today. And, and in this, God was pointing me to uh, what the name of our church is, which is New Life Apostolic Church. But I don't want that to just be a name or something that I would say I'm a member of that particular church. But rather, it's my hope and my intention that it would be a new life that we would all live That every one of us would experience a new life. And that we would be able to talk about this new life. That's the phrase that that has been just playing over and over in my mind. And and this new life. Let me tell you about this new life. Because it's not just like my old life. This new life is better than what I used to have. This new life is something that is transformational. This new life is something that I want you to experience. This new life is something that I believe is the only life that's going to get us into heaven. That this new life is a life that's lived in Jesus Christ. You know, I read a book a few months ago by an author that I really enjoy. And in this book... It was a, a true story about a young man named Chris McCandless. He's a very intelligent, scholarly, handsome, gregarious young man, but he was full of wanderlust. And this book, Into the Wild, it tells the story of this young man's decision to drop out of college and leave his family and everything else behind in Virginia. He had a, a trust fund or, or had a, a savings account that his, his father had, had uh, built up $25,000 uh, in his account and he took all that money out and he just gave it away. He, he said, I don't need this. I want, he had a car and he gave his car away. He, everything that, uh, that was his, he abandoned it and he, uh, wanted, he did that for the sake of the journey and for the sake of adventure. His favorite author was Jack London, and he had these tales of what it was like to live in the last frontier of Alaska. It inspired this dream in, in uh, Chris McCandless to make his own trek and to live there in the wilderness of Alaska. The book that I read, this one by John Krakauer, it follows the adventures of McCandless as he traverses the western United States and even down into Mexico for a time when he's just on a canoe traveling along uh, the, the coast coastline there. And then he goes up all the way into North, North Dakota along then the west coast before making his way up to Alaska. And as I mentioned, McCandless, he was gregarious. He liked to connect with people. And one of the people that he got close to for a time was a man that he worked for named Ron. And the book, it includes a letter that Chris sent to Ron at one, on one occasion. And he was preparing to set off into the wild once again. In that letter, Chris writes, he says, I'd like to repeat the advice that I gave you before. And that I think that you really should make a radical change in your lifestyle. And begin to boldly do things which you may previously never have thought of doing. Or been too hesitant to attempt. So many people live with unhappy circumstances. And yet they will not take the initiative to change their situation. Because they are conditioned to his life of security and conformity and conservatism. 
All of which may appear to give one peace of mind, but in reality, nothing is more damaging to the adventurous spirit within a man than a secure future. The very basic core of a man's living spirit is his passion for adventure. The joy of life comes from our encounters with new experiences, and hence there is no greater joy than to have an endlessly changing horizon for each day to have a new and a different sun. And I don't espouse to all that Chris McCandless was saying in his letter, but I do love what he has to say about let's live a new life. Let's go on an adventure. There is a radical change that we can make in our life. And for Chris, life was not worth living unless each day brought a new adventure. For Chris, he had to leave everything behind. In fact, he not only left the money behind and his car behind and his family behind, but he even gave himself a new identity. After he left all of that back in Virginia to symbolize the complete severance from his previous life, he adopted a new name. I keep referring to him as Chris, but almost nobody in his life knew him as Chris he was Alex or Alexander Supertramp. That was the name that he took on. That was the name that he told everybody. That was a name that for him it was about his destiny and his identity. This young man, he yearned for a new life, a fresh start. His past not haunted with hardship or trouble, yet he desired to start something new. Now I think at some point or another, all of us have had similar thoughts. What would it be like if I could start a new life? What would it look like? You know, usually those thoughts, they, they come in the midst of hardship. And some have even acted on that and attempted to start a new life. They've made very drastic changes in their life for a new beginning. And for the young man in this book, the new life was about adventure and experiencing new things. But what if that new life could lead to something far greater than just adventure. Greater than meeting new people and watching new sunsets. What if that new life was one that God had always intended for you to live? I heard it said once that there are a thousand lives in front of you, but there's only one that you're actually going to end up living. And let's let that one life that you're going to end up living be the one that God destined for you. Let it be the one that God had in mind for you. See, this new life that you can have, this new opportunity, this new lease on life is one that can not only affect you while you're here on this earth, but it also can open up the pathway to paradise beyond this life. And I just want to tell you here today about this new life. This new life. See, if someone, if someone were to ask you about your life, where would you begin? What would you say? If someone were just to stop you right now, or someone were to stop you this week and just, just ask you about your life and then how, what, you know, just tell me about your life. Where, where would you begin in your life story? What, what stories might you tell? Could there, be some plot twists along the way. You know, some surprises that have happened in your life. As you, as you draw closer to your story, to, to your present, does your story get darker or does it get lighter? 
know, would it be a story of despair or would you have elements of hope that are in that story? See, here's what I've found to be true, and I think you'll agree with me. That no one wants to live a life without meaning. People, they may live for some time on cruise control, but at, at some point we hope to connect to something that's greater than us. And this is done in so, so many different ways, but there's only one way that is ever going to truly be transformational. And that is by connecting to this one new life that God would have for you. And when you connect with that, it can change and transform every part of you. Your physical body will undergo changes. Your thought life undergoes changes. Your pattern of behavior undergoes changes. Your spiritual destiny is going to be changed. Everything about somebody who experiences this new life is changed. And that's what I want to talk about here today. This new life of hope. This new life. Come on, there's so many things that are connected to this new life. But today, I want to focus in on the hope. See, in the book of Acts, we read about a group of people who they had spent time with Jesus. And when Jesus was here on earth, his radical teachings had transformed them. These were his disciples. But Jesus then had left this earth. And we know that uh, when he left, he did not leave them spiritually for his spirit came and it dwelt in them. But we read about in the book of Acts about these people who were filled with the Spirit, who had living, who are living out this new life. We read in Acts chapter 5. I just want to just read just a few scriptures here today, in ver- beginning in verse number 12. It says that the apostles, they performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all of the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. That's the place there surrounding the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 13, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord, and they were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, and they laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. The crowds they gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Wow, what a scene. What a story about what was happening there in Jerusalem. Verse 17, the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy, so they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. The angel said to them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people about this new life. The angel's instruction was to go and tell the people about this new life. This is what I want you to tell them about. Tell them your story. Tell them about this new life. That if what it's like to live with Jesus Christ in you. See, Paul, he said it this way in his letter to the Colossians. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And in this new life, 
It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, if you're circumcised, uncircumcised, if you're barbaric, uncivilized, slave-free. It doesn't matter who you are. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. See, this new life starts and ends with Jesus Christ. When he came into this world, he changed everything. When he came into this world, that's why his his birth was announced by a symphony of angels. They were announcing that this is the one who's going to change everything. The course of history hinges on this moment right now. That Jesus Christ has entered into the world. And there's something different, radically different that's going to happen because of him. It was because of the things that Jesus taught and what Jesus stood for that he was arrested and sentenced to a brutal death by men who didn't want to change the way that they lived. They were satisfied with the status quo. But when Jesus came and upset the apple cart, they didn't like the way the things that Jesus was saying to them. They didn't like the new life that Jesus was telling them that was possible. But Jesus didn't come to keep the status quo in place. Jesus came so to bring life and life more abundant. See, when Jesus stepped onto the scene of public ministry, he captivated the audiences from the very beginning. He began telling stories about what it was like to live in the kingdom of God. And in those stories, it left some who just being confused, but those who really searched in the their hearts and wanted to know, God, what is your, what is Jesus talking about? What does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? They received understanding of it and they saw Jesus is presenting a brand new way to live our life. He's presenting a whole new way. He's flipping the script on everything that we've been told in the past that Jesus is saying that the poor are the ones that are to be blessed. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the ones who will be persecuted for righteousness sake. Jesus said that you are go and to love your neighbor. Now that doesn't sound too bad until Jesus describes who the neighbor is. When he says the neighbor is the one that you don't like at all. The one that nobody around you likes. That is your neighbor. But don't just stop there because I want you to love your enemy as well. See, not only did Jesus flip the script and begin to present a whole new way of living life, but he exemplified it. He lived it out himself. He loved those who hated him. He was hanging on a cross and he said, I still love you. In fact, I'm the reason I'm up on this cross is because I love you and you don't understand what you're doing, but I still love you and I want you to receive forgiveness. See, it all came to a head on this day, this day that we're celebrating today, Palm Sunday. It all came to a head on this day, three and a half years into the ministry of Jesus, when the Passover feast was soon approaching. And Jesus, he sent a few of his his disciples ahead of him into Jerusalem. And he told them, I want you to go and to, and to, to find a donkey, find a, a young donkey. And, and, and you're going to ask if you could just borrow this donkey for, uh, for a time. And, and don't worry, they're going to give you permission. You can do it. And so they go. 
ahead of the, the rest of the crew and these disciples go and they find a donkey that's there and, and they, they ask permission to use it and they, they go and they, they bring this donkey to Jesus and as they bring this donkey to Jesus, he, he, he comes and it's a, uh, it's a fulfillment as many things were in the life of Jesus. This was not just, you know, because he was getting tired of walking. It was a fulfillment of scripture. It was a fulfillment of something that had been spoken of by the prophet Zechariah, or, uh, by the prophet, uh, yeah, Zechariah. And in this particular prophecy in Zechariah, it says, and I'll, I'll read this in Zechariah verse nine, or chapter nine, verse nine. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He's just. And having salvation, he's lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. See, Zechariah said, your king is coming to you. He's lowly, riding on a donkey. And that was the prophecy that Jesus was fulfilling. But did you catch what it said in verse 12? Read it again, verse 12. It says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. What a label. What a label that he would put on these people. You prisoners of hope. You who have been waiting and waiting and waiting for deliverance to come. You've had hope and you've had hope for for all these things. And you've been held prisoner to this hope. But I want you to know that that hope is about to spring eternal right now. Because Jesus or the king is coming riding on a donkey. And this king when he comes riding on the donkey is going to be the one who will set in place the kingdom of God that will last for eternity. And that kingdom of God God is coming in and he says, and you know, as Jesus comes in riding on the donkey there on that Palm Sunday morning, the people begin to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. Why are they saying Hosanna? That word Hosanna was this, this praise that was saying the king is coming. Jesus is here to save. Hosanna means he who saves. He who saves. Hosanna to the highest. The king is here. The one who is our savior has finally come. We've been holding on to hope for so long. Now, here's the thing about this new life and the attachment that it has to hope is that when we in this world, we think, uh, you know, there's there's so many good things that we would hope for and that we would hope that they would come to pass. And many times those things, maybe it's a raise at your job or maybe it's a child or maybe it's, you know, some, some you know, all kinds of things that you may have hope for in this life and, and they may come to pass and they may not. But here's the thing about hope in this new life life is that the promises of God will always come to pass. The promises of God 
will always come to pass. And the hope that you have in Jesus Christ is a hope that you can count on. It's a hope that you know that this will come. You may have to wait some time. It may not come in your exact timing that you're wanting, but that hope is going to come and bring the promises of God. They will come to pass. You don't have to worry. The hope will come to pass. And when Jesus steps into the scene, See, one of the greatest things about this new life is that it brings with it the hope of salvation. This new life, it brings with it the hope of salvation that we have today, a hope for salvation that God, he wants to come and to save you today. And maybe today you're saying, I don't know what I need saved from. I, I don't know what it is that I need saved from, but every one of us needs saved. Because one day, and I don't want to be all doomsday on us, but there's one day, just if I'm telling truth, that all this is going to come to an end. Everything is going to come crashing down. Everything in life is going to happen, and this is how it's going to take place in the blink of an eye. You're not going to have time to run to an altar. You're not going to have time to get pastor on the phone and to say, what do I need to do to make it to heaven? You're not going to have time to even get on your knees and, and to open up the Bible and say, God, show me what I need to do now. I, it, no, no, it's going to happen in the blink of an eye. Right now's the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can experience this new life. Today is the day that you can come into a place where God is saying, the hope of salvation, it's alive today. It's here. It's available for you right now. Come while it's still available. Come when, as a prisoner of hope, knowing that hope in Jesus Christ, it will be something that you can count on, that it will get you off of this earth and into glory it will get you into a place where you don't have to just hope uh, you know for the uh, the best here on earth but you can hope on things eternal in my hope on things eternal they will come to pass because jesus promised it jesus promised it See, our hope today is not just for the things here on this earth. And I could give you a whole bunch of things that you could hope for and promises that you could hope for when you're living this new life with Jesus. But the the fact is, some of that, you know, you're going to be disappointed with things here on earth because in this life, we we see ups and we we see downs. But there is one thing that you have a hope for, and that is that there is a heaven to gain. And I want to go there. And I want to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And we have the hope of salvation. And you can experience it today in this new life. See, Paul, he writes it this way to the Thessalonian church. As they're questioning, you know, as, as people are, are dying, as people are, are passing away. And, and, and they're, they're wondering what, you know, what, what is this about? You know, what, what, are the, what does the end of life look like? And he writes to them in First Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a hope. What a hope we have today. We have hope for a life eternal. We have hope today. You see, on that day when Jesus made his triumph into Jerusalem, they recognized that this is the one we've been waiting for, the King of Kings, the one that would bring us salvation. And they began to, to cry out in the hope that he's the one that's going to set us free. And it didn't quite happen the way that they thought it would happen, but they did receive salvation and they received a hope that was much greater than just a physical king that would come and establish a kingdom but Jesus established an eternal kingdom and we today still have a a, a part in that eternal kingdom and when you come into this new life in Jesus Christ you're stepping into an eternal kingdom and an eternal hope that Jesus Christ wants to give you and here's what I want to say and I'm not going to preach much longer but here's what I want you to know is that you can have it today that you can experience come on what it's like to have confidence in the hope of Jesus Christ have confidence in the hope that I'm going to make it to heaven what does it take what does it take to have confidence that I'm not going to be like the hopeless that he was talking about, but rather I'm going to be the ones who have hope. The ones who are going to make it when Jesus comes back for the church. Church, we, we don't talk enough about the rapture. We don't talk enough about the end times when Jesus is coming back and I'm not here to I'm not here to try to set timelines and tell you that I know exactly every order of the events of everything that's going to come to pass but Jesus did give us signs and he gave us warnings and that is you know they all lead up to the time when we're living right now When he talks about how the whole world is, is going to be going and it's going to be in one uh, currency system and it's going to be a one world government and it's going to be a, a place in the end time when, uh, when, when the whole world can see events that are taking place. None of that could have happened just a couple uh, of decades ago. But today we are living in a time when all of the things of scripture can be fulfilled. Come on, today we are living in a time when all of these things can come to pass that I don't believe that we have much time left today and so where do you put your hope I find my hope in Jesus Christ and I find my hope when it looks like the world is falling apart that I know that that just means I'm getting closer to meeting my Lord I know that I'm getting closer to meeting Jesus face to face I know come on that the day is coming 
when the eastern skies are going to split wide open and that trumpet's going to sound and I have a hope today that this new life that I experienced and that this new life that I have in Jesus it's going to bring me face to face with my Savior. Come on, that's a hope that this world doesn't have. That's a hope this world doesn't have. This world, come on, it may be looking and wondering, come on, what is going on? Why the chaos? Why does it look like everything's falling apart? But for me, I don't look at it as everything falling apart. I see everything coming right into place. Everything's coming right into place. And so I put my eyes on Jesus. And I say, Jesus, come back. Jesus, come soon. I have a hope to meet Jesus Christ. And if you today don't know what's going on in this world, let me tell you that He can help you to have a hope in Him. And you can look forward to that day of His return. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, I believe that when the, the, the church, and that when, when Paul is writing this to the Thessalonian church, I believe that they had a little excitement in them. They had a little, come on, jump in their spirit when he began to talk about, come on, it's not, he, it's not going to be long. He's coming soon. Be ready. He says, when you see these things happen, get your eyes looking up. Get your eyes looking up. Get them looking up on me. Come on, don't look at the things that are happening in this world, but get your eyes on me because that's where you'll find hope. That's where you find hope. Come on, that's salvation. This new life that you live, it doesn't leave you hopeless. It doesn't leave you in the dark. It doesn't leave you wondering. Come on, is everything going to be all right? No, I know everything's going to be all right because I have Jesus to meet. I have Jesus waiting for me. I want to meet him. I want to partake in that feast up in heaven. I want to be there when he says, well done my good and faithful servant. I want to be there with Jesus worshiping him around the throne. Oh, what a day that will be. What a day that will be. I have a hope in Jesus Christ. Come on, he may come in riding on a donkey, but today the king of kings is riding right into this place. And he's here right now. And he's if he were here in person, I believe he would say, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet me? Have you experienced this new life yet? Have you experienced this new life? More, let me tell you, if you haven't yet, that you can begin this new life here right now. And it takes you just coming up and beginning with a heart of repentance that's ready to say, God, I want to change the way that I live. God, I want to live my life for you. Can we stand all around this place? Can we stand all around this place? If there's somebody right now who says, I want to be confident that when Jesus comes back, I'm going to make it. I want to be confident in that. I want, to, I want to partake in this new life that you're talking about. It begins with that one simple step that says, God, here I am. I don't have my life all together yet, but I present my life to you right now how it is. And I want you to begin to change me. God, I want to live my life for you. And you know, I may not know all the next steps, but God, I'm going to do my best. And if you want to do that, I want to invite you forward in this place right now to a place of repentance. And in fact, in this place, we...
We don't believe that it's just a one time or just a, uh, just a, you know, just come up when you have issues and have problems. That's not the only time you come to the altar here. That this is a place that you're, everybody's welcome to. This is a place where we come and we get victory and we get set free. But I want to invite you forward right now, if you're comfortable with it, to come and to experience something that God can begin to turn your life around and to change you. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if we could, all around this place right now, before we sing this song, before we begin to worship here today in conclusion of this service, if we could just all close our eyes, lift up our hands. God, I believe that you're coming soon. God, I believe that all Scripture points to the fact that we don't have much longer to wait. But I don't fear because of that, but rather, it gives me hope. It gives me hope because I've experienced and I'm living this new life, God, that you laid out for me. God, I surrendered my life to you a long time ago. And Lord, I pray that somebody's here right now who is in a place where they're ready to surrender. God, that we can have a moment with you where it's laying my life down. And it's saying, God, not my life. Not my ways, but your ways. God, I'm tired of trying to do things my own way and go on my own path. And God, I'm ready to pursue you, to follow you fully. God, because I want to have hope of your soon return. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What if you feel that drawing right now? If you feel God calling you and just speaking, speaking to you right now about that you come to that place of repentance, that place of surrender. He's calling you. God is calling you right now to surrender your life. Here I am, Jesus. On these altars are open right now. If you want to come, if you want to pray, if somebody wants to begin a journey, a brand new journey of what it is to live this new life with you. To have hope, not despair. But I have hope that everything's going to be all right. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.